Welcome to the Fearless Year podcast. Where we're dedicated to helping ourselves. And you along with us. Break our codependent relationship with fear. I am Dr. Rebecca Heiss. And I'm Nathan Robinson. Together, we talk to experts about traits and skills and areas we hope to grow in as leaders of businesses, families, and communities. Skills and traits like creativity. The ability to confront. Empathy. And time management. Your Fearless Year is all about fearing less. And doing more. Let's dive in. Let's do it. Hey, folks. Welcome back to the Fearless Year podcast. I'm Nathan. And I'm Rebecca. And today we have Josh Berry with us. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about adaptability. We will probably get into a couple of ways we had to adapt to make this conversation (laughs) happen. Um, But we want to first turn over the mic to you and let you introduce yourself and what you do. Thanks, Rebecca and Nathan. Uh, Extremely excited to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm the CEO and co-founder of a company called Econic. Uh, We are a change and innovation consultancy with uh, about 15 to 20 people, depending upon the month of the project, and uh, working with companies around primarily the U.S. on helping them figure out how to grow, which requires a lot of adaptability. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm talking to you from Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, Awesome. And um, yeah, kids are on spring break, so apologies up front uh, if there's any noise in the background. Oh, no, no no worries. worries. We have dogs wandering through the podcast often, so it is, this is, this is part of being adaptable, right? So I guess, guess yeah, we'll, we'll kick off the podcast with that, um, the very definition of, because, you know, we like to, I like to really understand deeply um, what it is we're actually talking about. So could you give us your definition of what it means to be adaptable? Sure. When we think about adaptability, we think about it as um, almost breaking it down into two things. Uh, and, and so we'll talk probably a lot during this about being curious and then taking small little bits of action on that curiosity, right? It's it's about, it's this little shifting type of behavior. And so adaptability um, is really being able to probably move from where you are uh, in terms of what's being done. It's not always forward. Sometimes it's backwards, sometimes it's to the side, sometimes it includes a shimmy or something else, but uh, it is it is definitely to us this combination of curiosity and little bits of action. Hmm. I love that. I don't think I've ever heard that definition before. Yeah. Yeah, it's cur- always like, oh, you you adjust to change, or but curiosity yeah. and then little bits of action. It is typically a reactionary approach, or that's how I operate, right? Adaptability means, hey, something bad happened or something you didn't expect happened, so figure it out, try not to, you know, screw the rest of it up because you've got to be adaptable. And, but curiosity with incremental action or or small deliberate action, that makes it much more positive to say, oh, I can be proactively adaptable. I like it. I, I would also say we almost always use curiosity as a positive. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. If I wonder if or how might mm-hmm. this be, I think even to your point of reactionary types of things, uh, it still causes you to need to stop back and go, there may be something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that there may be something else is so important to like the inkling that we might be able to show some level of adaptability. When we first scheduled this podcast, um, I ended up scheduling it at the wrong time totally on me. Um, and I very embarrassingly had to reach out to Josh and be like, um, so small issue. I am not anywhere near my computer, not anywhere near Nathan. Um, we're going to have to be adaptable about this. And, and it felt to me like a very negative moment, like, oh gosh, I have to, we have to adjust to this change. Do you find that that's true for a lot of people that you work with that, that being adaptable is like this, this negative thing that we all have to do, but nobody really looks to do? I, I, I do. Um, 
And and I would say many times it's it's because of the comfort, right, that people are in, and and especially and as we were talking about over this last year with so much change that has been thrown at people, like mm-hmm. a lot of people are just tired of having to be so adaptable all of the time, <laughs> yeah. and um, and so yeah, I think people can you know have that discomfort when they are forced to adapt. Uh, but I would say I personally and our, and our team probably has a different view that people are much more change ready and resilient and mm-hmm. capable uh, of being adaptable and change mm-hmm. than they probably give themselves credit for. Mm-hmm. And so it's some of those subtle shifts in that and the story that you probably tell yourself about adaptability or change that start to help people evolve into being more adaptable people. Yeah, it's it makes me think about um, I've been doing a little bit of reading on well, a lot of reading on a lot of things, but trying trying to improve myself and look at like, why do I do the things that I do? And of course, Rebecca, that's that's her whole work as a, as a biologist. And one of the things that I've been thinking about is uh, laziness. So laziness, we think about as a vice. Laziness mm-hmm. is like your biology trying to like keep you alive as long as possible, sure. right? The, yeah. the lazy instinct for you not to venture too far if you don't have to uh, is provides a level of safety. So we're mm-hmm. built f- for that. But what you just said, I think, is we're also built for adaptability and creativity and creative problem solving. We're built for that, too. But the the protection, like lazy, don't move too much, don't expend too much energy side, like doesn't tell us that story. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't need to know that you can be adaptable yet until you have to. And so yeah. but but then when we get through the wall, to your point people are more adaptable than they give themselves credit for. And it's like, oh, oh, okay, I can do this. Right. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it there, that preservation of energy, right? To, to not have to change or to move from things. Um, there's some of that. I, I think it's also built into, since you're going to the biology side of things, this kind of innate fear of death that you have <sighs> in so many things. And change uh, is a small little tiny daily, if not hourly death to something that you had before. Mm. And so, again, from a self-preservation standpoint, like there's things that uh, you have to be able to forgive yourself for because you have evolved to have those things that are just fine and great. And so part of our work in coaching uh, leaders to be more adaptable is just getting to that level of acceptance Mm. uh, that that change may be difficult or hard. And it's okay because uh, you've evolved that. It's probably in your bones and your DNA and school didn't give you any (laughs) education system didn't do any (laughs) service to you of like changing that or shifting. Yeah. Right. No, that's so true. It's. A, I mean, we're just handed. Okay, you you accomplish. This is the next thing you do. This is the next thing you do. There's no. There's no. Okay. What do I do now? What's What's the next option? How can I get curious about things to discover? Is that a path I want to go down, or is this or there? You're absolutely right, and I I love the idea of adaptability. You know, being in part like a little murder of something. Mm-hmm. It is choice. You know, the origin of that word right means to kill. Right? You're killing off an opportunity. And I think that's so terrifying for people to say, oh, I have to kill right this choice in order to adapt to something new. Yeah, it, it absolutely makes sense. And, and we've now come full circle to why I said it was about curiosity and little tiny bits of action. Yeah, there it the, is. The, the little tiny bit piece is because uh, if we require people to make wholesale change, well, then that just drives even more fear and the and the the prospects of loss are so much worse um, and more painful. And so you can actually start to build adaptability uh, with people if you let them take little tiny actions 
where the the risk or reward are actually smaller, mm-hmm. right. but you also get to the other side of that quicker. And so it becomes kind of a self-reinforcing circle of either like, hey, that actually was awesome. Or you know what? That didn't hurt as bad as mm. as my ego was projecting it was going to. Yeah. Right. Can you could you okay? I'm no, I have to I have to know about these little tiny action steps because yeah. like this this is my life. This is what I'm trying to set my life up to do is to like take these tiny actions towards um well away from fearful behaviors. So do you have any examples that you can you can share with us of of tiny action steps that either you or a client has engaged in that um, that would help us you know move towards adaptability? Yes. Uh, and and what I'll go back to is some of uh, BJ Fogg's kind of tiny habits work mm-hmm. uh, as as an example and there's way better examples that he's put out in his research on it, but in in personal life it isn't the hmm, I wonder if I can get more fit by adopting this big 10 week program that I'm doing, but it's about what's the tiniest little habit that you can start to shift. And so uh, one small example uh, for me was not uh, every morning wake up and then go figure out uh, how to do your hour long workout, but it was just, can you wake up and put your workout clothes on a bench? Mm. That was it, don't even work (laughs) out. Like that is the littlest (laughs) tiny little win. And, and you do that, or can you, can you just, can you run a mile in the morning? Okay. Cause, cause if you can do that, even though it's 10 minutes, even though society and friends and social media would say like, oh, come on, like you barely changed anything <laughs> at all. If you believe in that kind of self-reinforcing loop, it is about the tiniest little action that you can change attached to some other behavior that you're probably doing that slowly starts to help you incrementally adapt or get better. So what is it, what is it that drew you into this work? Uh, in the first place, what was what was the background? You're a co-founder. Um, you've got this firm. You're working with teams and leaders, so individuals and organizations. What is it? What was that path like? What what was the curiosity maybe that that drew you to yeah. that work? So uh, my first ten years out of school, uh, we're working for a consulting firm on um, talent and aptitude. So we worked. Um, I worked in. 20, 30 countries around the globe, helping bigger companies figure out how to select their people. And it was all on this premise of what would the world be like if everybody did what they were good at and enjoyed. (laughs) And uh, so I grew up there in in a variety of ways. And it was just always focused on people. What are people's spontaneous behaviors that they give them intrinsic satisfaction and joy? And how can jobs uh, and the work environment support that? Uh, I left that um, to go into a startup. Um, so here's a good adaptability story. Uh, we were <laughs> expecting our fourth child. Uh, we put our house up for sale so that I could jump into a startup to focus on people's motivation. This sounds familiar. Is that you, Nathan? Is that you, Nathan? <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got four kids. The youngest is five months, and I'm in the midst of a transition from sort of the stable W two into uh, into independent work. So yeah, yeah. Please continue. <laughs> Yeah. So, so this is when I tell you like, and it all works out. Right. No, we didn't sell our house <laughs> or what we thought it was going to. Mm. I naively jumped into working with a team where um, eventually found out there were intellectual property issues and oh, team issues and lack of oh. capital and all of that fun sort of stuff. And so within a few months, it was like, what am I going to do? And how are we going to do this? Should I go back to the corporate job? Mm-hmm. And uh, instead, it was over commiserating 
uh, beers and coffees with other startup founders mm-hmm. uh, that they were saying we we're doing the same thing. Like we were trying mm-hmm. to do this and it isn't working out. And I said, wow, this is how I would do it. And this is what we were trying to do, but I couldn't get them to come along with it. Mm-hmm. And they said, that'd be great if you could help us do that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, yeah, if you could pay me uh, to help you because I can't take equity anymore to feed the family. But they yeah. don't right. like equity sandwiches. Apparently. <laughs> right. So uh, that began then a journey of a couple of years of working with startups around the U.S., primarily mm-hmm. understanding um, just the fundamentals of, of customer discovery and problem validation and business model innovation and a bunch of things uh, connected to that. Um, and then that eventually turned into we had corporations who were interested in uh, how to learn, act and behave more like startups. And that created mm-hmm. Econic. Oh, um, interesting. So, so primarily because again, I also then learned that startups don't have enough money to be able to um, <laughs> right. sell uh, to, to feed the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but how it connects back to adaptability, not only because we've had so many iterations as we've been going through it, but Econic has kind of come full circle to the work about people and their potential. Mm-hmm. And then what are the behaviors that help organizations continue to evolve and to thrive? And, and that's really where we started to see like all these lessons about uh, human and organizational adaptability and transformation that our team gets to practice today. I have a, a mentor who himself, he's a serial entrepreneur and, you know, I talked to him a little bit about, Hey, I think I'm over the last couple of years, we've been chatting back and forth. And I was like, you know, a year ago, I was like, I think I'm ready. And he's like, no, 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 <laughs> not yet. Not yet. And without getting into all the details, like at the, the most recent conversation he's like listen when you're ready to to make that move that's fine you you know you go for it you do everything you can but the first thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to get kicked in the teeth Mm -hmm. and everything that you planned on is going to go sideways in some way um and he's like that's just the game that's that's just how it works um and I, i that was instead of being discouraging that was very encouraging and empowering and hearing your story is the same right that that that's the process that right. is that is what is supposed to be happening and the tool that we have to work through it is creativity adaptability habits retraining our brains curiosity yeah. small habits now seems like a, a really good juncture to ask you if you had us because obviously nathan and me desperately could use your advice on this as your your classroom as it were and any of our listeners as as your students, students. there we go there's called. the word i'm looking yep. for what what is it that you would teach us like things that that you really want the world to know about adaptability uh, the first uh, would be to believe and understand that power of that self reinforcing loop of just getting started just trying something and if you can make that a small little action, uh, you can start to add experience to the stories and opinions and assumptions that are in your head or that the people around you are trying. So like I, I talk to a lot of people who are excited to go start on their new ventures now. Uh, love to talk to them about, again, what are the riskiest assumptions mm-hmm. that you have with that? Mm-hmm. And then what are small little tiny ways you can go start to de-risk those, those little right. tiny actions so it doesn't hurt as much when you fail and yeah, it may not be as awesome when you succeed, but you're still, you're building muscle around it. Um, a second, I'm gonna give you three. A second Good. piece yeah. is that for that to function well, you need a space uh, that feels safe so you can be brave to do that. Mm-hmm. And what that what, what I see in a, in a bigger company or in an organization, like leaders and culture can, do a, can go a long ways in creating safe spaces for people to act bravely into trying things that are new. 
Um, but for those who are solo entrepreneurs or, or other people in other aspects of life, like you kind of need to look for those safe spaces in, in at home or in communities or in other places. You know, I was so blessed to have and still do have a very supportive wife uh, who made it a safe place for me to go do a bunch of blunderous mistakes, right? To, to be able to go try things and explore and, and all of that. Uh, and so it, you need to have that aspect of it, I think. And I think the third thing is, is um, an exercise that I walk through um, people quite often, so you could do this for yourselves, is to just take a moment and draw out kind of the arc. I call it a growth timeline, but like the arc of your life, like mm -hmm. from pluses and minuses and other things that you've seen and just spend some time reflecting because almost everybody is more resilient than they think. And they and they've been through hard times before, but we probably back to Nathan, your point on self present like we we block those things out. Um, or we we revise the history to all of the great mm. stuff that was there. Um, but sometimes it's good just to reflect back so that you have a core kind of understanding of maybe how the various journeys you've been on have led you to where you are today. So that in those, you know, kicked in the teeth moments, um, you have something to 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 dwell upon or or, or pull from. Uh, that's not only your your own inner resiliency um, that gets you to then take that next little tiny step so that you can keep that self-reinforcing loop going. I, I think about academia, which is the world that I, I came from long, long ago in the faraway galaxy. And, you know, how many papers got rejected versus, you know, we, we would celebrate every time we got something accepted. And there's this like positivity bias of like, look at all these people that are getting published. Yeah, because they got rejected 500 other times for that one acceptance or, you know, they took 500 other missteps along the way. And here's the success. And, and you're absolutely right. I think we we remember ourselves and as well. And this is part of the part of the brain, um, you know, the brain's resiliency uh, capacity. We only remember ourselves as like, hey, look at how positive we, we were when we made it through. Yeah. Well, you went through some really bad stuff, too. And it's easy for us to block that out and forget um, how much we, we have overcome. Or, or vice versa, right? You, you remember all the, all the negative things and you forget the, the wins. I think, I, I think that mm. piece of advice is especially, especially helpful to do like that shape of that, of that, um, what did you call it? A growth timeline. Yeah. Yeah. The growth <laughs> timeline. As you look at the shapes, you might be a person who remembers the wins mm -hmm. and then, you know, forgets or absorbs or, you know, metabolizes the, the losses. <laughs> Or you might be the person who lives below the line yeah. um, and you need that reminder to to tell, to give yourself evidence that the story of your resilience is true. And yeah. I think I think the shape of, of that timeline would be really powerful. That's, that's yeah. Great. I mean, and, and also to recognize that everybody has that, mm. right? Like we're so used to comparing ourselves to others and saying, oh, well, look at all the wins. Yeah, well, if you only ever see the wins of everybody right. else. You're not seeing the shape that everybody right. has on these timelines, which is just up and down and curvy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you need to, it, it, you will go a long ways if you can join a good community of other people who are open to create the safety and to create the transparency. So you're not just seeing those Instagram moments, which are all those yeah. little high blips yeah. on that growth timeline, uh, right? Yeah. Mm, Absolutely. Because just similar to what you said, Nathan, there in, in my story, like sometimes you do need other people's stories to help you get through that next mm -hmm. little hump that you have. And so if you can have other community around you to help illuminate some of that, then then you can be a little bit more open to being able to adapt. Hmm. You riffed on this idea a little bit. You said most people 
Um, they're more adaptable than they think they are, and that can be a surprise to them. But is there anything else surprising about the work that you've done with with adaptability? Something that's like, oh, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought of that, or or clients are often surprised by this. I am continually surprised and overjoyed that so many clients see direct application of the work that they're doing to their personal lives. Mm. Uh, and, and what I mean by that <laughs> is is, you know, and we haven't talked as much about this, but tapping into the why you work or why you think you exist yeah. uh, is a great source of that resiliency and ability to be able to keep thinking of how you adapt. And um, it's also important if you're going to take a brave action uh, that may be unpopular. So if you don't have the nice safe space to be in, you're going to be a catalyst to something. You got to be brave to step into it. You better have something you can draw upon that says you're whatever that everybody else says you ain't. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so I think that's been really interesting because I, I routinely and our team will always get stories of people who pull them over to the side and start to say like, I'm going through this, or I'm thinking about this, or I'm, I'm wondering that. And, and so it's surprising a bit in that, uh, people who, you know, uh, for a very short time, feel like they have this desire to want to talk to others about the adaptability they see they need or that they that they're just on the brink of thinking about whether it's about a new work or life or their kids or whatever might be going on. So that's been surprising and um, fun to see. I think too often we set up this false dichotomy of this is my work life, this mm -hmm. is my home life. I'm like, yeah. oh, but that's exactly you're showing what I was going right? to say. Yeah. You're, just, you're just showing up as you are everywhere you go. So um, we, we really love this question because we, we love going back to when we were kids and thinking about the advice that we would have given ourselves um, about various traits and skill sets. So adaptability, you're, you're an expert in adaptability. If you could go back and tell your eight-year-old self some hint, some idea, some little secret about adaptability, what, what would you tell your eight-year-old self? Thank you for that one. Um, yeah. It's a hard one. Uh, I... Uh... I lived in 15 different houses before I was 15. Oh, wow. And uh, when, and so I, I have to go back to a spreadsheet uh, that I keep of where I was living at different mm. ages wow. um, to think about, to even get into the mindset of what that was mm. like. So uh, eight-year-old Josh uh, was living with his mom and his younger brother in the concrete floor cinder block basement of his grandma. Hmm. And I think what I would tell eight-year-old Josh is that all of the stuff that you're going through right now, all of the change, all of those things that make you like question, like, are you worth it? And are you enough? Hmm. And all of that stuff um, will become this like fount of strength for you later on um, and help you see uh, how you can truly be adaptable. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, it's something that back to probably why that growth timeline exercise speaks to me so well, mm -hmm. because uh, I think a lot of people have, maybe not that exact moment, but they have moments like that in their lives and other things of those stories that they're from that, that just help you see where that path is uh, and where you're at. And 
And when you start to change your relationship to those stories, uh, it can be extremely powerful, especially as you continue to see the change or the growth or the way that you can maybe start to impact um, what you see the future for yourself. Thank yeah. you for your vulnerability and your openness. Uh, I think that's a that's a game changer for all of us to to sit with. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're welcome. And um, could have chosen seven years or like nine years. <laughs> I mean, we no, been, eight. Eight is great. Eight's that magical yeah. number. <laughs> Thanks for. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we sort of bring things to a close, um, I, I I feel like we could just hang out and you know riff a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but want to be respectful of your time um, and our listeners. So as we bring things to a close, we remind ourselves and our guests about the purpose for the podcast, which is the fearless year. So the the idea is if if we drew a line in the sand and decided, hey, this year for the next twelve months, wherever those twelve months start. <laughs> Whatever month they start in, um, if 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 we paid attention to these core traits, attributes, skills, competencies, and we use those as a lens to fear less and to live more fully, what would that look like? In that context, do you have any sort of closing comments on fear, overcoming fear, fearing less, and how that ties into adaptability? Yeah, yeah. Um Fear absolutely is such a is such um, an an isolating freezing mechanism to prevent you from being curious about what could be or how it might be different, and especially on acting on some of those Mm -hmm. curiosities. Right, fears of whatever I I am saying about myself or other people that are out there, Um, and. and I appreciate that you're you're not going back to my I'm an 80s kid, so it's like no fear. We're not talking about oh that. My gosh. We're just about fearing we, less, right? Like, we just had that conversation. That podcast, like no fear. Yeah. I owned all of those shirts and I was like, oh, we totally. gotta capitalize on this yeah. thing. <laughs> anyway, yes, that's the whole point. You got it. But, but I like the fear less mm. because fear does have a place in all of yeah, this. Absolutely. Like it, it is okay. And being able to like sit with that for a little bit and realize it and say, thank you to that fear. Um, and there, there's a, a mentor of mine who said like, you don't always have to, you don't always have to be responsible for your first internal reaction, but you should own your second internal reaction mm. and oh, your like first that. action. Right. Yeah. And so that initial like, okay, give yourself grace for that. Right. And if, if, if you practice what you, some, whatever helps you create space between those reactions, start to understand your relationship to that fear um, and, and get a better relationship with it so that you can then act out of it. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, it absolutely has a place in all of this. And, and I think if we all can fear a little bit less uh, as we work into it, then I think we can open ourselves up to trying little things uh, and seeing how we might be able to then proactively adapt to whatever else we're trying to accomplish or whatever difference we're trying to make. That's, that's so rich. I, I am going to feel that the next time I have that internal reaction mm. because I'm, I'm very, I'm a very judgy person. Um, no, no. <laughs> Not just with other people, but with myself too. Yeah. I feel this like judgment when I have a, a fearful reaction and I'm like, I'm a stress physiologist. I'm not supposed to fear. Yeah, you are. That is, that's a gift. So thank you. I like the idea of thanking that fear and then controlling that secondary internal and the first external response. That's brilliantly worded. I am. That's a, that's a huge gift. That's a big takeaway for me. Thank you.
Josh, thank you so much. Where can our listeners find more about you, your company, the work that you do, or whatever whatever other value you have yep. for them? Probably the best place to go would be to our website, which is econic, uh, E-C-O-N-I-C dot co. Uh, or you can actually just email me directly with any questions or comments. It's josh at econic dot co, again, dot co, not dot com. That extra M was going to cost us like 39950 <laughs> bucks or something. So, econic.co. So you adapted. Yeah, yeah. small team. Just take a take <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Well, I hope you get flooded with good uh, questions and and, uh, and opportunities here. We are, we are so grateful that you joined us on the Fearless Year podcast. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Nathan. All right. Bye we'll guys. talk soon. You already know the Fearless Year is a podcast, but it's also a community of people looking to live more fearless lives just like you. The Fearless Year pod course is an on-demand resource built around our biggest learnings from the topics covered on the podcast. Each chapter includes additional tools, commentary, downloads, and prompts to further your own fearless journey. You'll also get free access to the iQuity 360-degree self-awareness app on iOS or Android. Finally, subscribing to the pod course also means that every month you will get a hard copy fearless bullet journal in your physical mailbox. This bullet journal has one month of planning pages to chart your day, do personal reflections, respond to challenges from the fearless year, chart your personal growth, and customize it to fit your productivity style. Check out all the levels and details at myfearlessyear.com. Again, check it out at myfearlessyear.com. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh man what you just heard there was rebecca and i hitting the table and it messing with the dongle which is connected to the camera and we went into we like talk about the word dongle for a second no it's, it's inappropriate it's not, who came up with this that? is a family podcast okay. all right